You're listening to an Airwave Media Podcast. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. As a longtime foreign correspondent, I've worked in lots of places, but nowhere as important to the world as China. I'm Jane Perlez, former Beijing bureau chief for The New York Times. Join me on my new podcast, Face Off, U.S. versus China where I'll take you behind the scenes in the tumultuous U.S.-China relationship. Find Face Off wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome to Our Creatures Podcast. This is Chris. Today I'm joined with Angie and <laughs> always excited, but this one, Bob Poole, an Emmy Award winning cinematographer. He is a presenter and speaker for National Geographic. We're going to talk today about Disney's Secret of the Elephants. He was the director of photography for this uh, series coming out on Earth Day, uh, you know, working with Disney and Na- and Disney Nature and all the stuff they've been doing these these past yeah, decades has just uh, wow for me. This is a wow interview. So first, welcome, Bob. Thank you. Great to be here. Yes, and we're hey- so on. Yeah, we're definitely honored to have you on the podcast. And uh, Chris and I were lucky enough to uh, get to preview a few episodes of the secret lives of elephants and yes i'm so excited to be talking about it today and talking to you to learn more about this film and about elephants and just how you do it so thank you thank you for being here it should be a fun oh, interview pleasure. pleasure thanks for having me yeah no and so the, the first thing we always like to ask our guests and and looking into your background i mean i know i've seen some of your work and uh, the, the passion behind it is incredible. Uh, but reading your biography, I I was I won't lie, I was a little surprised that your sister's Dr. Joyce Poole. We'll talk about her a little little <laughs> later. She's in the series, but what an incredible family. Can you just kind of talk about your background growing up and and how'd you get into filmmaking? <laughs> So um I was I, my parents moved to Africa when I was three years old. And uh, my father was a Peace Corps director in Malawi. And then we moved to Nairobi, Kenya. We actually drove, imagine, from uh, back then. Uh, wow. the, pictures, the pictures. It took were, a while, I bet. Yeah, the pictures <laughs> are cool. I, I, you know, I was very young, but it was some of my very first memories are um, lions, you know, in the headlights of the car um, and fires burning. But there, there were lots of stories and adventures from those days, you know, uh, before I was before I was really aware of everything that was going on. But um, yeah, but I grew up in then in Kenya and uh, my father continued to work for the Peace Corps. Then he went to start um, Peace Corps Smithsonian Environmental Programs, which took um, National Park Service volunteers through the Peace Corps to send them to work in national parks around the world. 
And, you know, my father had been pushing, he wanted the Peace Corps to get more and more involved in sustainable um, projects. And, um, you know, he always was a big fan of national parks and wildlife and conservation. But um, he ended up, um, after that project was launched and on its way, he went off to work for the African Wildlife Foundation, which in those days was um, run out of a very small office in Nairobi. It was actually called the African Wildlife Leadership Foundation. And he, um, he just thought, well, he changed the name of it to African Wildlife Foundation. And the work that they were doing was more in those days, there was a terrible poaching crisis going on. So they were doing direct aids to national parks uh, for anti-poaching. Um, and they were doing a lot of conservation education. Um, really good work. And my father was a wonderful guy. He was, uh, he was, he was quite a serious adventurer. That's him there. Oh, look at that photo. Awesome. I love it. I know. He was really something else. That's oh, wow. cool. Um, but anyway, um, everybody loved him. And he was super fun and funny. And he just was courageous and took on these corrupt politicians. He didn't, you know, hold back. Um, but he did end up um, dying in a car accident uh, when I was 17. But before he died, he'd organized a school holiday job for me working with a game capture team in northern Kenya near the town of Isiolo. And they were um, catching these, um, the, I, you know, the town of Isiolo, which was a village, um, was growing rapidly. Now it's a kind of a city. But uh, um, there were a lot of Cape buffalo around there. They're really dangerous animals. People were getting killed. There was conflict with the with the buffalo. So um, the project was to move these buffalo to up to a place called the Laikipia Plateau um, at the base of the Aberdare Mountains, not far from Mount Kenya. But um, anyway, to do that, we we used a helicopter to dart these buffalo from the air. And um, one day the helicopter pilot went off to go fly for a National Geographic film crew and he invited me to come with him. The film crew probably taking pity on me for my father's death, death and hearing about him, obviously, and perhaps even hearing about my sister because her work was just getting started. They offered me to join their crew and um, I was 17 and uh, but I spoke the language I could drive really well in the bush. And um, so I, I got my first job with National Geographic as a kid. And of course, that led to a long career. It's amazing. It's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. And and is there a favorite animal that you have? Has it always been elephants or was your lions your first love? It was elephants um, from the beginning because that first film was about elephants. Um, my older sister, Joyce, at the time, which I know you guys want to talk about, but it, that was in uh, 77. She'd gone to my dad died in 78, but she got started studying elephants in 77. She was in her early 20s and she made remarkable discoveries um she discovered must which is you know when bull elephants go into this you know their bodies get loaded with testosterone and they go yeah, into this drippy dangerous... gooey yep yeah. yeah so um i can talk all about that but she discovered that and then she discovered infrasound which is that mm -hmm. elephants um you know are communicating over long distances in frequencies that we can't hear so she was putting together some um amazing science back in the in the 70s and on the 80s and um and then she, and yeah anyway my first film for national geographic as a dp was a film about her called coming of age with elephants mm -hmm. which was also uh, a book 
Wow. And so this is almost like full circle then. Yeah. Well, we've worked on a, we've worked on a lot of elephant films together Um, starting way back then. um, But we did, we've done lots of, lots of different projects together and that's been always the, the best fun, you know? Yeah. Oh my gosh. I, I could imagine working with my sibling out looking at elephants, following elephants, learning about them. That's incredible. And, and so Bob diving into the new film, the secret life of elephants, can you tell us about this new project? It just, it seems like such a massive collaboration between James Cameron, Disney, national geographic. How did this project get started? And yeah, if you could give us a little background. You know, it comes from, it comes out of um, Secrets of the Whales, which mm-hmm. was a big hit, another mm-hmm. Emmy uh, winner, winner, and also another one uh, with James Cameron. And um, yeah, so it's, you know, it's, a, I guess, in in a series of, of Secrets of, right? And this is the next mm-hmm. installment, Elephants. It's a great one because, you know, elephants are um, very different wherever you go in the world. Um, Africa being just an enormous continent with elephants, you know, all over the place. Um, and then of course, Asia. So the the series looks at elephants across their range, you know, so there's desert elephants, which are technically savanna elephants, but they're quite remarkably different in so many ways that they deserve their own um, hour. So we've got desert elephants, forest elephants, which are a subspecies, and then um, savanna elephants, which you know are mostly most of the elephants across Africa, and then Asian elephants. So yeah, so there's four big hours, and yeah, it's all it's all exciting. And, you know, as you as you travel around, elephants are so different, not just because of their um, habitat, the environment, the places they come from, but also their how they um how they get on you know and how they have been treated by humans in the past so cultures of elephants and and of course within these cultures are these families and of course you know elephants live in family groups um you know led by the oldest female uh, matriarch society um and with all the all the females staying together males leaving the family in their mid to late teens but always coming back to see their their families and never kicked out as we're, we're, uh, as ever, everybody thinks it seems they actually choose to leave their families when when they're ready to go look for females because they don't want to be with females from their own family so um yeah but uh so elephants are quite extraordinarily different um all ev- everywhere we find them i you know, I was getting chills as you you talked about your sister, and we want to talk about you and in, in this mm-hmm. film. Uh, but the work that the infrasound, I remember reading her story as a young, you know, mm-hmm. uh, college student, and you know, your work, her work is so important to tell these stories. So, so that kind of leads me into my next question. First of all, the cinematography of this film is uh, wow. I, 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 what, I have a follow-on question down the road. I want to ask about the technology. Mm. I've never seen a documentary like this, as close mm-hmm. as it is, as intimate as you are with these animals. Mm-hmm. What I'm curious about from, from your standpoint as a filmmaker, mm. do these stories write themselves or do you kind of have an idea? We know mm. these behaviors. We want to kind of tell this story. 
or is it something you just go out and observe and, and see what they do? Because from the desert to the savanna to the forest, I mean, the, 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 the behaviors you've captured, I mm. learned a lot, like, you know, and I've studied yeah, elephants. Chris, that's a great point. Yeah. I mean, yes, we talk a lot about elephants. We've had several elephant experts on the podcast mm. from forest elephants to, and I learned a lot as well. And it seems like we were learning as like you guys were learning as, as you were filming. Yeah. Yeah. So, I, I mean, there was a lot. To, so to answer the first part of the question, you know, uh, when you, you do a lot of meetings and talking about what it is that you're specifically after, you know, it starts on the big picture. What's the series about? What are we what are we trying to accomplish? You know, um, of course, our time frame and, um, you know, what resources we have to work with, all that sort of stuff. But really, when it comes down to it, you know, once you know your time frame, you've got, um, let's say, you've got a year to um, to tell this story. So you've got to look at the different seasons and then what what's likely to happen or what could happen during that time. And then you try to pick that, you know, once you've decided what those mom- what that those time periods are you want to film, then you then you you know you line your shoots up accordingly, and um, the amount of time that you get to spend there really depends on, on the budget, you know, and how much, how much they can afford to give you for that versus um, other locations, you know, when they divvy up their budget. So, um, but with say um, desert elephants, of course, we knew that we needed dry season, peak of the dry season, because, you know, that's when the elephants are struggling the hardest and that's what makes them desert elephants. That's why they're so good at what they do. So, um, uh desert elephants uh we started out um i believe it was in january and you know going there to film to try to film elephants doing what they do in the dry season and uh when you go in to do this you have these ideas in mind but in the end you just you're gonna make the film out of what you know you make the film three times right you make it in um in 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 pre-production while you're deciding what it is you're going to film then you make it again while you're in the field and then finally um you take that and you edit it and that's what you come up with but so in this particular case we were going out to film um desert elephants you know struggling in the heat of the dry season that was kind of the the goal and um honestly like we found we, you know finding the elephants is one thing right you've got to because it's a huge landscape and then you've got to find the elephants and so you mm-hmm. spend a lot of time tracking um you find footprints and you follow them until you find the elephants and so you know we had found the elephants on the first day that we'd gone out looking and came back the next day we had finished you know, filmed until dark went back to our camp out you know like you're always out at four in the morning and then you get to location you start tracking in the dark you find your elephants anyway by the time we find these elephants it was hot heat of the day and i remember you know it's like okay we're gonna now here our month begins you know filming these elephants Hmm. and um so i was i set up my camera it was powered up balanced level focused ready to go and then uh, i started to work on the next camera system which is a gimbal that hangs off the front of the car suddenly i you know the elephants are standing in the shade right suddenly i just hear this this is total pandemonium i'm like oh my god you know and my camera was already running because you know it's pre-record uh roll pre-buffer pre-record 
you know, just a few seconds, but I hit the record button and, you know, it was the birth of a baby elephant. Mm -hmm. You know, this is day two of our, of our shoot. So, you know, um, it's a great way to start, you know, have baby elephant hadn't, they hadn't, there hadn't been a baby elephant there. It hadn't rained in, in, in eight years. Mm -hmm. And yeah, so that was just, I mean, what a way to start. It was unbelievable. Yeah, yeah, right. And it was Uh, the the first, well, the first birth and was it the first birth in eight years or the first it was the first um birth that survived of that course survived. we didn't know at the time it was going to be but you know a lot of um a lot of uh, uh, when i say a lot if uh, several baby elephants had been born they'd all died you know so yes. now you have this scenario like okay so we've got this baby elephant and i filmed baby elephants dying in the hot sun in the desert before in mali and it's horrific. It's terrible because it takes a long time. And, you know, it's hard. it's just terrible to watch. And and then, of course, you have to follow that story. Who's going to come along and eat it? And what are the elephants? You know, because uh, uh, elephants will come and mourn for the body and all these things. So, you know, then you go down that that becomes your story. And it, was, it wasn't the story that I wanted to tell. I wanted the baby elephant. So, I mean, it was so extraordinary. So, you know, there there was like a suddenly you know, day two. And um, I just, there's just, there's a wall of elephant legs. You know, I've got a long lens. I'm on a 50 to 1000 millimeter lens and I'm, I'm coming, you know, back in a space where I'm not interfering with anything, but I'm shooting through, you know, a wall of elephant legs. And as the legs kind of part, there's this um, just blob, this wet blob on the ground. And, you know, of course I can see all the um, the blood and the, um, you know, just the, the the hysteria that's going on. And so you saw the footage, like the, the baby, you know, uh, eventually gets to where it can stand up and then it falls over and, you know, and then they're all trying to lift it and, and protect it. And, and so, go, you know, it's, uh, but in those moments while you're filming this, you know, first of all, you can't believe it. Cause like, mm-hmm. what's the chance, right? And mm-hmm. then, um, that were there and you know uh then you're thinking about the you know um is the camera gonna overheat is the do i have enough batteries is there enough media in the in the camera what you know uh what's what's happening around what's you know is any is there anything that's going to change this or are they going to suddenly run off or you know you've got all these things going on in your head and you're you're just you know but meanwhile you're doing that you know you as a cinematographer you learn you that you need all these different shots, right? And you you learn to count. You hold your shots because when, sometimes it's an eternity because you you're on one shot and you want to be somewhere else. But you learn you have to you go through these kind of things that you that have been. But I do feel like everything in my career led to that very moment. You know, it was just like you know all the experience. I knew what was happening. I knew where to be. I knew what was kind of going to happen next. And um, I knew that it was just like super, super unusual and and incredible moment. And I knew also that was, you know, that was what the film was going to be about. And and so, yeah, you just you know, it's 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 scary because, well, I grew up filming shooting on film. Right. So we used Mm -hmm. to shoot these things and um, we just hoped it was there, you know. Right. We'd, We'd go out with a with with 
maybe a hundred rolls of film, you know, mm. 10 minute rolls of film. And we'd shoot a whole thing and come home and hope it was there. <laughs> at <laughs> least this, you can go hit replay and look at it. Although I'm still like nervous about that. I don't know why it's an old thing, but I mean, <laughs> you got it or you didn't. And um, so, yeah, um, that was, that was incredible. And then, and then the, the, the whole story that unfolded after that was, I don't riveting. know. It was riveting. Yeah. And then, mm -hmm. then, yeah. And then, I mean, just the, I got, I could talk this whole hour about just that, but then, you know, what happened next with the rain and all that, I mean, it like hadn't rained in eight years. And then, yeah. you know, just within three days of the yeah. birth, it was like, I was filming that amazing time-lapse as it was mm -hmm. the storm racing to the camera. Um, you know, I learned a long time ago that if you're going to, you know, it's a simple thing, but like there's two things that you have to do to get um, those moments. And the first mm. thing is you've got to be there. And the second thing is you've got to be prepared for whatever it is that you um, is, is happening. So, you know, and in, in it's like the simple in the simplest form, right? You just have to have the tools working at, you know, at that moment. And, um, but sometimes our tools are pretty complicated, you know, the lenses are, and the cameras and the, um, all the accessories that, you know, you kind of, I need. And so, you know, I had actually spent, I'd spent a lot of time prepping everything for this one. I mean, I, uh, um, I had, yeah, I, I hadn't slept much in the last couple of days, just, just putting the systems together. And, I remember like that, even just the time-lapse thing I had, you know, I had built a, a, a time-lapse camera that had, you know, because it's a special specialty thing. It's got to have special, you know, you need certain filters because you've got to be able to like have very slow, long shutter speeds and you've got, you know, just the lenses and everything are different. And so I had built this thing and I had it like, so that all I needed to do was set the exposure and hit start. And I had put that in a box and then it was over to the side. So when I saw that storm coming, I just was like, oh my God, I can't believe it. I ran to the top of a hill and I just plunked that thing down on a tripod, but you know, behind a rock where I knew it would be sheltered a little bit from the storm and, and just, you know, left it and went back yeah. to the elements. And, you know, but it's like, you know, I don't know, I guess, you know, as a, I, you know, in the early, and we, it's not like we have a lot of people helping us to do that, you know? Mm -hmm. So in the early days, I probably would have missed that, but yeah, I, I think it's just, you know, a culmination of all these things, you know, you just kind of, yeah, you got to be prepared. You got to be there. Yeah. Well, it, I mean, I, I riveting, uh, moving, mm -hmm. uh, one time, I mean, goosebumps. Uh, one time I was a little teary-eyed i mean i'm sorry move over game of thrones white lotus yeah. whatever you're watching right now i secret yeah. lives of elephants it yeah. was just it was it was incredible but I, I do have to ask somewhat of a fan of these series and documentaries a, a question and as i'm watching it and i'm seeing the elephants that of course especially with the desert episode where yeah, they their, their whole goal is to try to find water waiting for the rains. And I'm seeing this little calf and part of me is just like, just interfere, just give it some of your, mm. your, your own water. And, mm. and so, but you're from a professional point of view and as a wildlife person, mm -hmm. I know you, know, you shouldn't interfere with wildlife. Right. So my question is, I mean, how, when you are filming with that, how do you 
stay professional and not get so emotionally tied to like either an individual animal or the individual story or outcome that we're all rooting for? You know, it's, it can be really tough, but I think um, like, well, I, I'll, I'll get back to these elephants, but you know, uh, to, you know, because to answer the question, say, let's say you're filming, um, let's say you're filming any, an, another, another thing that's out there and it's, it's struggling and it's, you know, you've, you've, gotten really incredibly close to it and you know if 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 it dies you know that's kind of the end of that part that that character you know which could be like a disaster for your film or whatever but you can't you know in these kind of things you can't um interfere um if it's if it's um for it's not for us to interfere with that it's it's um it's just you know what whatever's going to happen is going to be is going to be incredibly interesting um and we need to just film whatever happens but in the case of elephants you know you could say well these desert elephants are so rare and you know this baby is so important because you know that we'll, we'll if all the babies die then we're going to lose these this population of elephants that might be true, but unless you've got a way to push the mother and all the other elephants away from you, you're not getting anywhere near that baby, mm -hmm. I'll tell you. So mm -hmm. it's not, it's kind of a, it's irrelevant because there's nothing you could do. You know, the baby is not going to drink water. It only drinks milk. Mm -hmm. And the only milk it's going to drink is from its own, its mother. I mean, there are cases where, where, you know, they'll suckle from another, from another mother in the family, but there's mm -hmm. nothing you can do. It's really up to the elephants that they have to save that baby and the baby, you know, what it needs is milk. Um, so uh, it, it doesn't need much of anything else. It doesn't need anything else. Maybe in that case, it needs shade and protection from uh, predators. Um, but that's all it's. Yeah. None of which you can provide. Right. Yeah. Everything it needs is getting from its family and specifically the milk from its mother. Yeah. So, yeah, um, it's it, you'd want to, you know, and, and I have I've been involved in a lot of rescues of baby elephants, uh, yeah. elephants that mothers were poached, elephants that um, the mothers abandoned because they fell into a well or um uh, where the where the mother died from natural even natural causes but um it's just you know it's 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 very difficult to get a baby away from its mother yeah 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 <laughs> but yeah, no, remember, when, they're, when yeah. they're abandoned it's another story and then it, then it is you know i think um if you have a place that can that can because elephants can be reintroduced you know mm -hmm they can be um um the nice thing about elephant families are so much like us but they will adopt baby elephants mm -hmm. and so um elephant baby elephants do have a chance um if they if they can be um rescued uh, but they have to kind of be abandoned yeah yeah that's that ever since gosh i was really young watching documentaries and uh, filmmakers uh, like yourself and again the series secrets of the elephants coming out on on uh, earth day I remember those stories of them watching animals suffer. And, and I remember hearing a story and, and, and I don't remember if it was a Jane Goodall or, or a, a Joyce pool or somebody saying we, I would love to interfere, but I can't, you yeah. have to let nature play out. It, it's yeah. for the survival of the species and whatnot, but. Uh, it is Ryan here. And I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? 
a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Hello, everyone. You may recognize me as Gabby from the History of Everything podcast. And my name is Brenna, and you don't recognize me from anything yet. Together, we're two scientists who explore all of the weird little questions and conspiracies of the universe in our new podcast, Mystery of Everything. Everything has an explanation. We hope. But that is what we're here to figure out. We will dive into the science behind many popular conspiracy theories, such as vaccines causing autism, flat earth theory, and was the moon landing fake? And if so, why the heck would anyone even do that? But it's not just conspiracies. There's a lot of cool mysteries that we will attempt to use science to explain, such as near-death experiences, what made the Vikings go berserk, and can I control my co-host with MK Ultra? Wait, what? <laughs> <laughs> anyway, make sure to check out the Mischief Everything podcast everywhere where you find your podcasts. I I guess I really wanted to ask you this because you, you've, you've grew up in Kenya you've been doing this for a lot, a lot of years. And I know we talk about the poaching crisis, uh, the, the, the poaching high that was about peaked about 10 years ago. How has it changed in your lifetime with the poaching of elephants? It's, you know, it seems as cyclical is it, and, and we are kind of on a downward trajectory. Is that just because of COVID and supply chains were shut down or are, are we seeing an, an uptick or I guess from, from your opinion and, yeah. and from all your experiences, where are we with, with elephants and elephant conservation in Africa? So um, it, you're right. It's cycled and it all depends on um, demand. Elephants, um, they're uh, the latest sort of big cycle uh, because they, they had really shut down. The, and Joe, my older sister, Joyce, was, had a lot to do with um, lobbying and and convincing people to, you know, to ban the ivory trade. And it was, it was, but then South Africa made this argument that they had, you know, that they relied on the sale of ivory and rhino horn to, to, um, to, for for conservation. Mm -hmm. And everybody said, no, don't do it. The moment you put it in the market, nobody's going to know where it came from anyway, and they'll start poaching. And sure enough, it happened and they did. There was a one-time sale of all this uh, cached ivory and boom, suddenly there was a slaughter on and it just got worse and worse and worse and worse. And it really wasn't, I don't believe it was 10 years ago because it was uh, it was just oh, desperately horrible even back in 2008. Um, no, wait, sorry, where, that's my bad. Um, it was bad just it was bad just a few years ago. I'm bad with dates. I'm I'm trying to uh, life goes quick. On. But it was um it was horrible just recently. And what it took was China to ban finally ban ivory because all the ivory was was going to China. And when they banned ivory, um the sale of ivory, it stopped almost overnight. It just stopped. And so that was a fantastic thing. Um and now what's happened is the more elephants are being killed actually in human wildlife conflict than from poaching. It's not to say there's not poaching. I know there's quite a lot of poaching going on in West Africa and certainly there's poaching in, um, in, in other parts of Africa as well. But yeah. 
There's also hunting, which is kind of a, an odd, odd yeah. one. Yeah, yeah, it's Botswana, <laughs> yeah. right, and, and other places. Yeah, which is which is very bizarre. But anyway, yeah, but I don't. Well, I mean, it's, that's not like that's not threatening a, the population or anything. It's just mm-hmm. messed up. But yeah, annoying, well, annoying. And, and and it's just so it's something to always think about too with with poaching and elephant or hunting taking away from its family and its culture. Uh, is I don't want to say it's a bigger deal than just killing a solitary animal or poaching a solitary animal, but it really it does influence their culture. Like, if what if you kill the matriarch and that's the one that knows how to find the water? And they do, right? Poachers, poachers were totally indiscriminate. They just, I mean, when I say that, they were just going for the whoever had the biggest tusk, and you know, they were getting down to little things, little tusks like this. So they would just go in and wipe out an entire family, you know, um, and they would just gun them all down at once. And of course, then there's the bulls and the bulls travel in, you know, bachelor groups. So they're they're the first to go because they carry the heaviest ivory and they're all they'll mm-hmm. often hang around in the shade together and they're easy to sneak up on and kill with an AK, you know. So, um, yeah, just terrible. Yeah, I mean, it's just it's. It's just so horrible to me because when I when I watch this series uh, about elephants and all the incredible footage and you have, I mean, uh, of the forest elephant, one of the shots where uh, you can see the color of their eye is like orange oh, yeah, gold. The, the orange, yeah. I mean, and so I just felt that I was intimately next to the elephant, next to their tusks, next to their eyes, their eyelashes yeah. with the desert yeah. elephants were so oh, much yeah, thicker. The their toes. Oh, oh my God. The gnarly toes of the, yeah. well, of the those desert elephants. are unusual because, you know, in the desert, like, you know, they're not, they're not um, like fingernails. Right. So right. They're, they're, yeah. there's not all that, the stones and stuff to wear them down. So the walking in sand, it's soft. The, the toenails can get kind of long. Yeah, but I mean, but I, so my question is like, how, how, what, where does the technology to get some of, some of those shots that were just, that I'm still thinking about days mm-hmm. after I've watched this series and, and talking about with Chris and mm-hmm. I, is, and then some of the overhead footage of the forest oh, yeah. elephants, do you, uh, are you using drones? If you just got, can give us a little walkthrough you know, on how so, you capture some of this. Yeah. So a lot of different things. There's a lot of you know, hidden cameras, of course, you know, uh, where you're planting cameras and elephants are walking and triggering them and walking into them. So that's, you know, that's um, in the forest. It's very dangerous to film elephants because you have to be on foot. So you getting close to them is difficult unless you have, you know, a place to a safe place to be. Um, I spent a lot of time filming in, in the forest in West Africa and uh, elephants are, yeah, it's, 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 it's difficult and dangerous um, filming elephants in the forest. So a lot of remote cameras. Um, I didn't work on the forest uh, sequence on this one. You know, we had a lot of people um, working on this series and I wasn't in, I wasn't across any of the forest stuff this time, but I have done a lot of it. So I know what it is, but I would say one thing that's beautiful about these elephants in the forest is, you know, um, in the hot sun, of course, just like us, elephants are squinting and it's very, you know, that light can be quite harsh and it's hard to see when you're in the forest, you know, um, the light is, can be so beautiful. And the, and the elephants are also clean because they're often, you know, they're, 
they're often cleaner and I find in the forest. But anyway, it, it, it does lend itself, you know, whenever you get a chance to look into the amber eyes of an elephant, it's really extraordinary. I would say also with the, with the forest elephants, the texture, the, there's something about the tusks. They're so, um, they they're just- They're like, so, uh, almost like, yeah, a little different yellow. in color. Mm-hmm. They're different in color and they, they, they tend to be quite big compared to the body size of the elephant. Yeah, this in the circumference too. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So they're different. They're very different. Um, but yeah. So in deserts, we um of course got a lot of use out of the drones. And and you know, the thing is, is that the um the desert lends itself so well to aerial photography. Mm-hmm. Uh, the scenics are so amazing at, at dawn and dusk. And um, you know, then you've got all that amazing, you know, sandstorms and and you know, it just it's a very dramatic place. And um, so going into this, we knew that you know that visually we needed to capture that and to see elephants in that environment, you want to see them very small in a in that huge landscape. But the drones, I mean, seriously, are they're so good. And we're using um, we were using like drones that um, beautiful cameras on them. So uh, 7K, uh, 6K uh, raw footage coming out of, a you know, uh, a drone that you could fly for, you know, um, 15 minutes or 20 minutes or so on the top end without, you know, but using a lot of power. And that's the thing is like powering everything in the desert's hard. You know, we were powering batteries off of cars, but it's difficult to get that, you know, so the power is precious. Um, and, the, and, you know, getting back to, you know, it's also recording massive amounts of data and just comp- running computers and backing up d- footage in the, in, in those scenarios are really time I mean, we're living in a very rude, you know, not a very, um, sophisticated camp, you know, where yeah, you guys don't have like the trailers to go <laughs> yeah, into no, on break. <laughs> no, we're, 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 um, you know, we're, we're, we're having to run a generator, you know, a little, little mm-hmm. generator at night to transfer footage. And somebody's up all night, you know, waking up to shift, you know, to back up another card. And it's just, you know, you're plugging into the car and you're, you know, you're going through inverters that are burning up because of the heat. Mm-hmm. It's really, really, I can't tell you. I mean, the car, we're shooting these massive files and then the amount of data that not do you only have to like, transfer but you've got to back up and um you know it's just challenging it's you it's hard. It just keep that machine going while you're just constantly generating more and more material it's 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 a chore I, but it's I, I never even yeah i never even thought about it because i've been on set with my sister she works in uh georgia works uh-huh. in uh, movies and and tv some tv series and stuff and being on set and seeing all the support trucks like literally 20 30 of oh, them I and, know. And all the logistics, because she works in locations, I, I I I didn't even think about it in wildlife documentaries out in the middle of nowhere. Like right. you can't plug it in. There's no outlet yeah. right there. Yeah, no, no that's no. well, you oh, know, we 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 take an inverter and um and you know you hardwire it to the car's batteries or and mm-hmm. or, or or usually we have two batteries, but um and it, so it's 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 charging off the um, alternator, which is great when you're driving, but then you're you, know, you spend a lot of time <laughs> not driving and then you're just yeah. sucking juice out of the car. Yeah. So it's, it's a, it's a challenge it really is. And you can't have the car running while you're shooting. Cause it, you know, shakes the camera. So. Yeah. Um, and you also can't tell your 
actors cut let's do another retake yeah, 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 yeah. 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 you can't direct any of these things no so. no direction yeah yeah, yeah. you gotta well, get it when, it when it's happening yeah so I, I wanted to ask you, you've been doing this for so many years and, and and made many many documentaries so in this one in disney's secret of the elephants in this this four-part series was there anything new you learned or you were like, wow, I've never seen that before. I mean, obviously you got to see the amazing birth, which is wow, an incredible story. But was there anything else you like, oh, I've never really seen this before or any anything new? Well, um, you know, little things, but I, I would say the most dramatic big thing that I saw um was, and again, I'm sorry, but it goes back to the baby because that was just so extraordinary, was that it walked um for uh over 45 kilometers in the hot sun to get um, back to its family. And you saw there how the mother's was moving fast. And the as baby a, as was, a newborn too. A I mean, brand newborn. This is less than two days old and moving in the hot sun across at that speed. What amazed me and what I didn't know um, was that it was possible for a baby elephant that had not eaten properly yet or had not had you know it, it was just you know living on and it only maybe just had very little milk because the mother didn't have she didn't have much milk because it was then the rains hadn't started and the food was very scarce and um and so the baby was just running off of whatever it had gotten from its umbilical cord and i mean it's just absolutely astonishing um, what that what happened there and how it how it survived so that was that was definitely something for me that was new that I um I was I just had no I I just couldn't believe that was gonna you know and and I think I mentioned that it was just agonizing filming it because I didn't want to see the baby die you know mm -hmm. yeah I mean, my kids could learn a little bit from these newborn elephants. I can't even get them to like bring their plate from the kitchen. Yes, yes, <laughs> yes. Dishwasher. Yeah. Oh my goodness. It's crazy. Uh, I also want to take a quick second and, and highlight uh, Dr. Paula Kahumba, who uh -huh. is in the series um, as the elephant scientist and expert. And she mm -hmm. is also African native and we've had her, we've been blessed to have her. Uh, mm -hmm. On the podcast, we interviewed her in uh, 2002 about winning her Whitley Gold Award. Right. 20, 2020. 20, oh, sorry. Yeah, 2022. <laughs> That's well, yeah, a long 20, time ago, ain't you? 20, 2022, right? 22. Yeah, listen anyways. to me. I'm like 2008. <laughs> yeah, you know, yeah. That. everybody 20, knows what I mean. 2020 uh, something, yeah. But yeah, I, I just, I was wondering if you actually got to work alongside her and and how and how it was uh to be able to work with um you know a a woman i believe she's from kenya as uh, where mm -hmm. she she normally lives uh um that's you know highlighting Af from africa highlighting african wildlife and I, I was just really touched to see her in this series as well well paula paula is a, a hero of mine and yes. um you know i'm proud to say she's a friend of mine um, I've known her for a long time. Um, I, you know, of course, um, also growing up in Kenya, um, you know, uh, friends of some good friends of mine were her neighbors. You know, it, we um, I go back um, with her till the early 90s um, when she was also working with Kenya Wildlife Service alongside my sister. And so um, Joyce and Paula go way back as well. 
um, obviously farther back than I do. But um, yes, and I've worked on um, several projects already with Paula, and um, I, you know, just have incredible respect for her. She's she's a very brave woman. She's um, she's determined. Um, she's um, sensitive about wildlife. She understands elephants as well as so many other species. Um, and I think that Paula really gets also that, um, you know, uh, she, her, she has a strong in, um, initiative to um, raise up local Kenyans um, in wildlife conservation, um, not just in being rangers or, or uh, guides, but um, in the filmmaking process as well. And so I think Paula is just, um, I mean, she's absolutely an extraordinary woman and the series is really lucky to have her um, as the, you know, sort of fronting it. Yeah, no, it was, uh, it was. We were so blessed to, to to be able to talk to her and the work that she's done for elephants and and the work that you're doing. Just a couple more questions, I guess. My final question would be: What can our listeners do to help elephants around the world? You know, thanks so much for asking that. There's, you know, I always say, um, I know we're we're we have challenges now with, um, you know, global warming, and we we really. We want to keep a small carbon footprint and of course flying around the world is, is is puts a lot of carbon in the atmosphere but you know we stay home we use a lot of we put a lot of carbon in the atmosphere as well and it's just the way that we've got to get we've got to change things but i say that if you don't go to africa and visit um Af uh, african wildlife by going to the parks it's going to disappear because mm -hmm. you know the those parks are really relying on the revenue that's generated from tourism. And, and so are the people that work in the field of wildlife conservation. If, if there's, if, if there's no money for wildlife, I'm afraid to say that, that those, um, that those, that land that they're occupying is too valuable for, you know, creating food or whatever. And I think we'll lose it. So I really believe the best thing people can do is go and visit Africa and, and, and for, for, you know, for themselves, it shows governments that it's worth protecting the wildlife. Um, the other thing is um, if you can't, then, you know, latch on to your favorite um, conservation organization that's doing good work and wherever that is and, and support them. And, you know, of course it's always important and it's, it's easier these days with, I think the conservation organizations help us to, um, easily you know communicate with our representatives in government and i really believe that you know the more those guys hear from people who um care about conserving wildlife and wild places the the better off we are absolutely like the african wildlife foundation right that's like you know that's a good one there are so many other good ones mm -hmm. um but um, I mean, my sister has an amazing one. National Geographic does a lot of work. Um, of I would say mm -hmm. that not not just um, I would mention for Joyce just that um, uh, if you're interested in elephants, her her website is elephantvoices.org, and it's 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 they do so much work of just um, explaining what elephants are all about, what their communication is. She has a, a database on that. Um, the elephant ethogram that can explain all kinds of different behaviors. A lot of the footage is stuff I've shot over time. So um, there's, but there's tons of places that you can, 
donate money to um, to help the plight of our you know wildlife. Yes. Well, thank you for giving her a shout out as well. And uh, now I have to ask Bob, you're out of the bush. You're out of the desert. Mm-hmm. You're done editing. Mm-hmm. The premieres come. Yeah. Oh, you didn't yeah. edit, but no, no. You've seen the final project. It's it's yeah. coming. Yes. Uh, it's, it's coming on Earth Day, April twenty second. Mm-hmm. So, what's the next project? Do we get a little <laughs> bit of uh, a little I, a little bit of a hint? Yes. Well, I'm currently busy doing. I I do also speak for National Geographic, so I'm doing my tour. Um, uh, on that. And I really, I really enjoy that. It's called nature roars back and it's about wildlife conservation and, and how, you know, uh, how, uh, how wild places are really so resilient, you know, given a chance, so much of the damage we've caused can be healed. But, um, so I have that going on and I have two projects that are both to do with wildlife and conservation, um, that I am, um, in the midst of so that um, those are very exciting projects. Um, so yeah, there's more to come. Well, That's we will awesome. definitely be looking for you on tour and obviously looking forward to this current project and, mm-hmm. and the ones in the future as well. Yeah. And that's uh, so Disney's secret of the elephants. The premiere is April 21st on Disney plus. I, I can't wait to see it on my big TV. I, I got to watch it on my computer screen, but now I'm, I'm going to get it on my big screen. It's definitely and, one for the big screen. Oh, yeah. you have to watch the series. You have to. And then then check out Secrets of the, the Whales, too. That was that one was jaw dropping, too. But this one, like, wow, Bob, I thank you for what you do. I I don't think you hear that enough as a wildlife uh, filmographer and, and, and all the work you've done and the education you've done. I, you know, through throughout my life. Your work has inspired me, uh, not oh. always knowing who's behind the lens. Uh, your sister, obviously, I read her book way back when, and she's inspired me. But, you know, to our listeners out there around the world, uh, you're inspiring them too. So, so, so thank you so much for what you do. Oh, man. Thank you very much for that. And thank you so much for having me on this show. It's been really fun talking about Secrets of the Elephant. So hope everybody tunes in on Earth Day to check it out. Thank you so much. It was a pleasure. Real conservation right. hero. Cheers. Thank you. Thank you. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.